poopery the original before you go toilet spray that has over 100,000 five-star reviews. It's always formulated with essential oils and plant-based ingredients that eliminate bathroom odor before it even begins. Essential for our home. So many shared toilets with all the smells, plus it's female-founded and a Texas-based company. You know we love that. Yeah. <laughs> plus, if you have any upcoming travel, poopery 2-ounce and the travel side 10 millimeters are TSA-friendly. The brand Puri also has many additional odor eliminating products for your homes, pet, shoes, and more. Visit www.puri.com. 20% off your first purchase. Just use code Bathroom Chronicles 20. Hi, Peggy. Hi, Kim. <laughs> so we are gathering on the podcast today to talk a little bit more about you, Peggy. Um, many of you may or may not know, but Peggy is world renowned for her gifts. And she also shares helping other people activate their gifts. So will you tell us a little bit about how your gifts started when they really came online and then share with us ways to get in touch with our own? Absolutely. So um, one of my favorite things to do is to teach people so when I was a little girl, I grew up on a farm and five brothers, an older sister, so there were seven kids, raised Catholic, hardworking, you know, just simple life. And um, when I was six, my grandmother passed. And when she passed, I remember coming out of my bedroom on the second floor, walking down the hallway, and there stood my grandmother, you know, in all her glory, her little pillbox hat, white church gloves, little purse, and I could hear her in my mind. And she said, hello, Peggy. And I was startled. I was so shocked. And then she faded, and I ran downstairs and announced to all my family, I just saw grandma. I just saw grandma. And of course, all my brothers were like, you did not. She's dead. My father was so sad. He pulled the paper down, and you could see his tears in his eyes and put the paper back up. And my mom sort of looked confused. And, and I was confused. I was like, why aren't they happy? So what happened was, is I stopped seeing because I believed everybody else. So within the year, I was the only kid in my family that needed glasses. So as mm. somebody who's intuitive, all of us are intuitive. If one channel shuts down, so you stop seeing, another one awakens. So just notice with your kids, right? If, you know, they may go through different periods in their life when they feel things and then they see things and then they hear things. They're, it's all natural and it's all part of how we are constructed as spirit living in this physical body. So I stopped seeing things. So then what happens is I start to feel things. Now, to me, as a little kid, feeling things is a lot worse because you can't see what's what's touching you, right? You can't see what's following you. And so as I moved forward into my, you know, um, preteen years, my sister got married, I started sleeping alone, and I started feeling all this energy, right? And it was like poltergeist energy. My bed would bounce up and down, the covers would be ripped off, just terrifying stuff for a little kid. And my mom, the only way she knew to handle it was to give me the rosary. And for those of you that don't know, the rosary is a meditation tool in the Catholic Church. It's a devotion to Jesus's mother, Mary. And it's a protection mantra, you could say. So as you, as you repeat this, my mom challenged me and she said, you won't be able to stay awake. It will put you to sleep. And she was right. It puts me to sleep. But it, what it did, it created this calming force because like energy attracts like energy. So if you're somebody is who is focusing on fear-based things, you're going to attract fear-based things. If you're somebody who's focusing on love, you're going to get more love. So as a kid being scared, I was attracting more of that negative energy to mess with me. 
And as I focused on love or light, or in this case, Mary or God, it gave me peace. And so I attracted more peace. So all the poltergeist stuff stopped. But true to fashion, right now, I've stopped seeing things. Now I'm not feeling anything. So now the dream state opens up for me. So now I'm having all these prophetic dreams. And I eventually moved to Florida and get in a relationship with a guy. And then I had a dream that my brother would be killed. And my older brother, Dave, who was my protector and spirit, you know, in the dream said, call him, pick up the phone and call him. I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to call him because this is back in the day, you know, we're talking 80s and every penny counted. I was a very, you know, from a conservative family. There's no cell phones. There's no internet. So it really meant something when you picked up the phone to call somebody. And, you know, my concern was like, if I call him, I'm not going to tell him I had a dream you're going to die. What am I going to say? And then all my other brothers are going to, why didn't you call me? Why'd she call you? So I didn't call. So two weeks later, he was killed in a car accident. And as you can imagine, it was devastating. And I went home and um, connected with my family and, and we went through the funeral and everything. And while I was there, my roommate at the time called me and said, um, I want you to know I'm buying the condo. So I moved you out and I moved you into, the, into your boyfriend's house who she knew I was leaving, right? So it was oh. like, talk about a sister wound, right? Mm. You're 24 years old and you thought you had a best friend and or good friend, right? And um, so I moved back, I come back to Florida to a strange home. I actually rented an apartment and I walk in and all I have are my clothes. And back then they used to put a Bible in, in every place that you would rent or in a hotel room. So I grabbed the Bible. I sat in this empty room, crushed. I lost my brother. I lost what I thought was a good friend. I just broke up with a boyfriend. I've left all my family. I'm really like heartbroken, you know, and, and we studied Kabbalah together, right? And yeah. Kabbalah, they always talk about if you want to connect with God, come with a broken heart. Come with really just, and I was shattered. I had a broken heart. So I sat on the floor, this empty room, and put the Bible on my lap had my rosary in my hand, opened up the Bible to just, I thought God needs to speak to me. And I just opened the Bible, the Bible up. I do not remember the passage, but what I remember is that my top of my head started to unscrew like a counterclockwise and all this heat came pouring into my body. And I didn't know what was going on, but it felt really good. And as the heat came in, I relaxed. And the next thing I know is I'm sort of coming to or waking up. And my head is facing the ceiling. I open my eyes and I see the ceiling. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I look down and my hands are in a mudra. And a mudra is a meditation that, you know, um, you can use to help you open your crown chakra, which is the top of your head, to be able to receive enlightenment or to be able to receive as, you know, I learned this in Kundalini Yoga because I had no idea what was going on. I didn't understand why my hands were like this. I didn't understand why my shirt was soaking wet. I didn't understand what happened. And I was filled with peace. And, um, and then I kind of got so scared and I was, where's my rosary? And I found my rosary and that gave me comfort again. And I was successfully able to shut that down, shut the experience down because it was so out of what was norm for me. And even though it felt incredible, and even though I never, ever, ever have cried for my brother David, ever, it, it ended that day, three days after his death. And this was the brother that protected me from everything. So some sort of magical healing occurred. 
And then I um, met my husband right after that, married him, had three kids, was, you know, in the business world, closed down, had nothing to do with that type of meditation and really put myself back into Christianity, into the things that made sense to me the way I was raised. And then another brother was killed. And (laughs) pause on that one. Yeah. Hmm. And that was Larry. Um, My first brother was Dave that passed and the second brother was Larry and he was 40 and I was 38. And when Larry was killed, there was no, I had no forewarning because I had shut it down. And so when he died, um, our kids were seven, four and three months old. And I was living in Kansas City. So I grabbed my daughter, Bobby stayed with the kids, and I drove the five-hour drive to Iowa. And that five hours, all I did was cry and beg to say goodbye to to both of my brothers, to say goodbye to Larry, because I didn't get to say goodbye to Dave. And over the course of the next three days, I did just that. I had incredible experiences. I had the first night, I smelled my brother's cologne, and I felt him touch me. I felt um, him touch my daughter. She let out a little yelp. I felt him leave my room, go to my mom's room. I heard my mother call out, Larry, Larry. And I thought, oh, good. She heard him. She felt him. Get up the next day, and I tell my mom what happened. She's like, no, I, I didn't hear anything. I said, really? And she said, yeah. I said, well, I know they're here. And then um, my dad was like, well, we need to find my tie clasp. I want to wear it to the funeral. I don't know where it's at. Can you help me find it? So we vacuumed the room and we went through all this clothing and could not find that anywhere. So we kind of gave up. Um, Bobby came and the kids came late at night that night. We went to sleep. And I remember thinking, I really need healing. And how I got healing with Dave was when I was in that position with my head cocked up and my body relaxed and just letting go. And I just prayed. And so I was in bed. I did that position with my head and I just prayed and I started to fall asleep and I started to feel like I was falling. And as I was falling, this voice came in and said, let go. And when I let go, I landed and I saw my two deceased brothers, just like I'm looking at you. Wow. And I was so startled. I thought, how do I look? And I I remember pulling my arm up and there was nothing there. And then my brothers talked to me telepathically and Larry said to me specifically, you have to help mom and dad through this. And I have a surprise for you when you get back to Kansas City. And then he had this huge grin. And then I sort of woke up or came back into my body. And I was laughing and crying and woke up Bobby and told him all these things. And he's like, you know, maybe don't tell your parents you had an out-of-body experience. (laughs) You know, that's like a little lot for them. Just tell them you had a dream. So the next morning I go out and I said to my mom and dad, I said, you know, um, Larry came to visit last night. And, um, and my dad said, I know. I said, what do you mean you know? And he opened his hand and there was the tie clasp. Oh, whoa. <laughs> and I know. And I'm like, wait, where did you find that? And he said, when I got up this morning, it was the streaming light coming in through the window and it was on the floor. So I couldn't miss it. It was right there on the carpet. And I was so in shock. And I said, wow, Larry, I lost a set of car keys. I would love to have them back since you're returning things. And we all sort of laughed. And my mom was, you know, just out of sorts with all of it. So we were leaving. We get in the car. We drive back to Kansas City. We're unpacking the car. And there I'm lifting up her car seat. And underneath the car seat is my car keys that I've been missing for three months. Wow. So I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) So that was the beginning of my 
entry into the psychic world. And everybody says that a dark night of the soul is when something really cracks you open and you go through this door and you receive all these blessings, as painful as it is, you get to receive all these blessings that you know you're not alone. And so that was my dark night of the soul. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Losing two brothers. Yeah. It, you know, it, you know, Bobby likes to say that, that it was so that I would awaken these gifts that I have and that I would be able to help people and do what I'm doing in the world. And I'd like to think that too, um, because they were both really young. They, they didn't have children. They didn't, you know, so there was a lot of what I felt like unfinished business yeah. um, for them, but I, I received such gifts in their passing. Yeah. So beautiful. I remember, um, I'll share with you the first time I experienced your intuitive gifts. So we met in Israel on the same trip that I met James and we went to, uh, the soulmate Sadakim. So they, a Sadakim, they consider a righteous soul and there's a soulmate one and you walk around the tomb and, uh, you receive messages and James and I did this not in a relationship, but you know, we're, we're like really into each other at this point, a few days in. And, um, then James went to, Oh, we were sitting on the bus and you looked behind us and I'm like, what'd you see? You gave us this look. And then you said, well, it was so crazy because I turned around to say something to the two of you and you, both of you were in the, you know, the last seat in the bus where it goes all the way across and you're sitting in the aisle. So the two of you were in the aisle, yeah. right? So I could turn around and have a clear view of both of you. And there was a yin and yang sign over your heads. And I could see it with my eyes open. I was so startled that I turned back around and you called me out. Yeah. <laughs> and we had just met, like we'd just, you know, met for a couple of days and I'd known James for a couple of years. And it was, um, it was just a perfect match. Yeah. I mean, it was really beautiful. Thank you. Well, it still is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, well, and then James went to, he went back to LA and you and I were still in Israel and you, you were checking in you and you said, you guys are going to get married soon. And I mean, soon. And, it, and then you're having babies quickly. And she goes, if, if this doesn't happen, then I know nothing. Like you were so <laughs> clear. And we did one year later, we got married in Israel and then we had our first child like three months after that. So you do the math. <laughs> yeah. And you have, and you have just stopped. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. I've just stopped having children. But then you also said after I had Olivia, um, it was some of the funny drop-ins as you said, Oh, her style is going to be better than yours. <laughs> and she, this girl is a little fashion queen and you're going to have another child right away. Like almost like mm. an Irish twin. And uh, I did. I had Joshua 17 and a half months later, and wow. Olivia grew up to be a little fashion queen. Yeah, she is. She <laughs> yeah. loves all those things. Yeah, yeah, she does. Yeah, she's already been in like the New York Times, hasn't she, for her? Well, little, yeah. yeah. Yes, a little. Uh, she did a fashion camp, and yeah, she was on the front page of the New York Times fashion for the unincorporated life. It is a great fashion camp in LA, <laughs> plug, plug. Um, so, yeah. yes. Yeah. But anyway, so that, that was my introduction to you and your gifts. And then I became a client. So yeah. I, you know, James and I had you over, um, kind of client and friendship. We started at the same time uh, to get some insight. I remember there was a time where you told James, you're going to get three offers on this specific date. I think it was like June 10th or something. And 
that was very interesting. Nobody really is getting three offers on the same day. Certainly James was not. And that day came and he got two offers and we're sitting around at like seven (laughs) o'clock in the evening. And he goes, whoa, Peggy was right. Like I've had two offers. And I was like, she said three. And he goes, well, it's too late. But like, she was pretty much on point. (laughs) And, uh, his agent did a late night call to him and gave him a third offer that day. God. He didn't end up accepting any of them, but he did get three offers on that exact date that wow. you channeled. So, Well, I just want to say that we're wrong too. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever believe anybody in my profession who tells you they're never wrong because we are working with the human condition. Yeah. So, But I do believe that... Um, you know, when you're right, you can really be right. There's, you know, and that's the thing I really love to teach people is, is that we all have this capacity. Yeah. It's really about one, doing your own work, getting, you know, removing your fears, removing your blocks, removing your insecurities, your doubt, trust is a big factor. And when you're able to do that, you can really just get downloads, you know, you can get information, you can, it's just a conversation, you go back and forth. But that's, it's a conversation for me, because I'm clairaudient, I hear things, right? For other people, they may see things. And the scene, the clairvoyance goes with the body, the clairsentience, so they, they are matched together. So if you see something, the feelings in your body go with the picture. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, since we became friends, I've really gotten in touch with my own intuition. That's for another day. Yes, yes. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's been incredible to learn how to drop in. And once you do and you start getting the feedback, then that really helps you build the trust in it. Yeah. Actually, that feedback is so important. Do you have any exercises that you, you can share with everybody to get in touch with their own intuitive capacity. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, if you want to tap into your own intuition, you have to start by feeling grounded and feeling grounded means essentially that you're in a place of neutral. You're not feeling any emotions. You're not attached to anything. You're really just open. You're in, you move yourself into a state of curiosity. And when you're in a state of curiosity, you can then receive information. You just ask a specific question, move to curiosity, let go of any attachment or ideas that you think you already know the answer and just see what comes in. It can come in the form of a feeling. It can come in the form of a memory. It can pop in, um, in terms of, a knowing, like I just know the answer. So there's a lot of different ways in which uh, intuition speaks to each of us. Yeah. What is, do you have a methodology for getting grounded? I remember once yeah. with me, you had me go through a meditation of anchoring into the core of the earth. Yeah. Like where are you at right now with good grounding exercises? Yeah. So a good grounding exercise is just to close your eyes, go into your heart and just breathe and let go. And then just notice, do you have any aches or pains in your in your body? Do you have any cold or hot happening in your body? And if you do, just make note of that. Then exhale and let go. And then imagine that there's a light in your heart and you just flick the light on. And then drop an anchor from the heart all the way down this beautiful channel of light, down the body, out the bottom of the feet, down into the center of the earth. And create a beautiful safe space down in that center of the earth. Just I used to put a welcome mat, like welcome. Mm. And then I would inhale white light back up from that welcome mat up through the center of the earth, up through the bottom of my feet, all the way back up to the top of my head. I would hold it for a count of three. And then I would exhale all the way back down through my body again, all the way back down to the center of the earth. And I would do that three times. 
And then the third time I would exhale and just stop and then notice how I felt in my body. And you should be able to make a distinction between how you felt before and now you should be able to feel calm. You might notice that your breathing moved from high and shallow in the throat to down low in the belly and just relaxed. And that feeling then is what grounded is. Mm. And it's from there that you can begin asking these questions yeah. and sitting with responses. Exactly. You can ask for any questions. You, sometimes it's easy to write down the specific question that you want to ask. It can even be, give me a message, right? Is there a message for my highest good? And then exhale and let go and then do the breathing. And then after you relax and you do that last, last little bit of breath, you can just open your heart and see what's there. And it can even be um, for some people who need some place for their mind to go. You can imagine a book opening up or you can imagine sitting in a movie theater and looking at the screen. You can imagine laying on the grass and looking at the sky. So your mind has some place to go to open to receive. If you're clairvoyance, you may you may get the message then visually. If you're clairsentience, you may feel something coming in, right? If you're what I call a divine knower, you'll just know the answer. You'll just know what the message is. I love it. Yeah, it's I fun. It. it is it is fun to play with your own intuitive knowing and um and so powerful. Yeah, I think you know people overlook their own capacity because of the mind, right? And our ego is a great thing. We want to have an ego. It gets us out of bed. It has us create. It has us procreate. It has all these wonderful dynamic things about it until it gets in the way of our own intuition or our own divine knower, that part of ourself that is connected to all of consciousness, right? So as we relax and we become more trusting that we have both, that we have the ability to be able to guide ourselves or that connection inside ours that we're being guided, whether you believe in angels or God, or whether you're just somebody who is more pragmatic and doesn't believe in anything but this life, that's fine too. You still have intuition. You still have the capacity to be able to make decisions and have a higher power. You would call yourself you know, a higher self. But in that process of being able just to surrender and letting go, you ask a question, the information then comes in and it comes in specific to you. But there's only five ways, right? It's you either see it, you hear it, you feel it, you know it, you can even smell it, right? As I, you know, sometimes have smells come in. Like I said, my brother, when he passed, I smelled his brute cologne. Yeah. <laughs> and I went, oh, he's here, right? So it's something that you that's not in the room, but you're smelling it. And that's how you know that that's a spiritual connection that is happening. Mm. Yeah, it's... Um, it's really fun to play with when, when people are just willing to be curious. That's the only thing that stops it, that in your mind, right? So the, the mind has you wanting to think it's always you. Or is that my mind? Is it not my mind? There's a lot of people get a lot of confusion around how do I know I'm not telling myself what I want to hear? right? That's a big one. So how do you know you're not telling yourself what you want to hear is you wait and feel what the answer is. So you have to discern the answer in your body. So when information comes in, you notice the feeling in your body. We all know when we're being lied to, we all know when we're lying, mm -hmm. right? So if the answer comes in and it feels off, then it's off, right? If it doesn't feel off, then it's like, okay, then I can say that that's truthful information until I'm shown otherwise. Mm. Another way is, uh, I think when I first started opening up with my intuitive gifts was in dreamland. Mm. So in dreamland, 
it's great because you can get quick feedback that thing did happen or that thing did not happen. Mm. Um, I would love to get into dreams. I'm curious what you did to start being a dreamer, if there was anything specific or if it just started happening. Uh, For me, it just started happening because I had closed down those other psychic connections. I was like, nope, nope, nope. And that's the power of the mind. You can shut all this off and not be connected to it, yeah. right? And so I was successful. I shut it off. I, it was too scary for me. So when I did open it back up, it was because of the dream. The dreams started coming back in. They were prophetic and they were real. And and I would be shown, go do this, or this is what's going to happen, and then it would unfold. So you can, the spirit also uses your environment to give you information or give you answers, right? So there are these synchronistic events that happen. When I um, first started channeling, Bobby and I had just moved to a house in Florida, and the smoke detectors were, the spirit would use the smoke detectors to go off to let me know that there was a message coming in. Mm-hmm. So I, because I wasn't connecting all the dots myself, so all of a sudden the smoke detector would go off. And this is after taking out batteries and taking out and unplugging them and they are still going off. And so they go off. I hear a message in my head. I acknowledge the message and the smoke detector goes off, stops. You can acknowledge it. So, yeah. So acknowledging it will then be able to get the message and it will stop it. Yeah. So you're making me want to draw attention to something because I've been working a lot with body intuition. And one of the things that I've noticed is sometimes your hearing will go out or your back will have a pain or something will be going on in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be a lump somewhere. And of course, you know, go to your doctor, do all those things. But one of the big things that I've noticed is body communication gives the body permission to not tell you to pay attention anymore, right? So if you sit with your heart in a grounded space, like you described, and you sit with that body pain, sometimes you'll receive the message and then the pain can be lifted and go away, just like the alarm can stop going off. Exactly. That's why, you know, when I took you through the grounding uh, process, I wanted you first to know what's going on in your body. What are the aches and the pains? Are you hot or you're cold? And then you do the three step breathing and you let that go. Now you, now you're clear. All those pains are gone. All the process is gone. You're neutral. So when you ask a question, uh, should I leave my job? And all of a sudden you get this massive backache, you know, that's a response to your answer. I, my back wasn't hurting 30 seconds ago. I asked the question so I can intuit. It's going to be a heavy load. It's going to be difficult. If I leave my job, I'm feeling pressure in the back. Right. So you can then intuit the body's information to you. That's the benefit of being grounded and having a clear slate to work with. So if your messages come in through the body, you'll know it, you'll receive it and you'll understand it. It's a beautiful language. I say that intuition has its own language and it really does. And that's why I love to teach because it has its own language. And once you know your language, God, you can ask anything for yourself and it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You can get the answer. All right. Another great way that we've discussed is dreams. Yes. Dreams are something that we've both used to receive information. It was the first way that I really started receiving Mm. clear information. When did it start? It started when I was pregnant with Olivia. Yeah. Those babies are such antennas. Yes, they they really are. are. Yeah. Yeah, they are. I, um, I had experiences of unfortunately dreaming when people would pass and Mm -hmm. they did. 
And oh. we have something in common. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, that's right. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, just dreaming of foreseeing specific events, times, dates, like really clear information. Uh, sometimes dreams really need to be decoded as well, right? Yeah. So if I would dream of a tidal wave, mm-hmm. I'd be like, darn, (laughs) you know, I knew I was going to go through something. And even if it was a a really chill time in life, it never failed to put me through the tumbler a little bit. Um, Flooding would usually symbolize some sort of cleansing. And I know that you also help people decode dreams, which is really beautiful. Um, I want to add that decoding dreams isn't as simple as getting online and saying, what yeah. What does this mean? Because our personal experience with mm-hmm. symbols and signs is so different. Right. And and there, But there is some basic things that people can know. Like basically, if you dream in the middle of the night, like the dead of the night, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., mm-hmm. right? That is typically a prophetic dream. If a prophetic dream is something about the future. It feels very real. It feels like you're in it and it's happening to you. Yeah. That's generally the middle of the night. Other dreams come in early in the morning, right before you wake up. Those dreams are subconscious dreams. Those are clearing dreams. Those are either fears that are coming up or emotional wounding or trauma that's coming up to be released. A lot of times people call me right before I woke up this morning, I dropped my grandmother would die. And I'm like, that's a fear. That's Mm. a releasing of a fear. If you had that dream in the middle of the night, then there's some validity to it. Then you're being asked to connect with her, to be able to talk to her, because something, there is a transition that's going to happen. So that's, that's a big, um, those two things right there are really helpful in knowing when you wake up, okay, if I'm waking up, after you have the dream, look at the clock, write it down, have a notebook by your bed, right? I'm sure yeah. you did that. Yes. It's, then you can forget it because a lot of times people say, I don't remember my dream. Yes. Yes. There's yeah. actually, there's a real easy process if you're not currently in prophetic dreaming mode, which you can do. And Peggy mm-hmm. and I had a little chat before and we do the same things. Um, and I actually started this with my oldest daughter as well. So it's a really beautiful thing to incorporate with your children so that they can get to know their own knowingness. But one of the things is you go to sleep with a journal next to your bed, um, pen and paper. And the other thing is simply having an intention when you go to bed. Mm -hmm. I intend to go to sleep. I intend to remember my dream. And it's really about capturing that moment Mm -hmm. that you wake up when it's still there to grab the paper immediately because dreams will quickly go away. And the energetic imprint that it leaves as well. So sometimes you wake up saying, oh, that feels like it had a deep message. And other times it feels like a process, which you had shared. If it's Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night, it's more likely to be prophetic. prophetic. And if it's early in the morning, it's it's more likely to be a a process. A release, a process, something with the subconscious. Yeah. Absolutely. And so doing that journal, getting used to writing the timing, I always would write the time after I wrote the dream, mm. because it's easier to know what time stay it is later. But yeah. if you if you write that dream or the time right away, sometimes the dream starts to get yeah. lost. And notice the feeling that you're having with the dream too. Yeah, right? to note your feeling, the dream and the feeling accompanying it is also all validating because it's bringing in that. It also helps to remember it. So as you're writing it, allow the feeling to come in. It will deepen the experience. 
So it makes it easier for you to capture and let go of any fear of like, oh my God, I'm not going to remember this. No, you are. Just take a breath and start to write. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you'll start to get more and more detailed. Like you'll write uh, the colors or, you know, any specific feelings yeah. that occur, which will help you to eventually decode it. Yeah. I know that you decode, but one way that people can do this at home is if they keep a dream journal, you'll start to see in which ways the symbols and signs manifest in your life and yeah. you'll get to know how to spend time with your own inner working system and message yeah. delivery system and get to know how it shares. Yeah. And it can, it can use, for instance, when I first started this work, I, I would hear, literally hear, get up and write, get up and write. And I would think, write what? And I would just get up with pen and paper and my hand flew across the page at so fast. I didn't even, my mind couldn't comprehend what I was writing. That's called automatic writing. Mm -hmm. And when I got done, I'd be able to read this note. And they were, they were deceased people coming in for my friends. One of my friend's mm. dad came in with an important message for her and et cetera, et cetera, right? And so at, that can happen as part of this process of opening yourself up. Um, the other thing, like I would hear, you know, the nursery, the, the nursery rhyme, are you sleeping, Brother John? Like, are you sleeping? Are you sleeping, Brother John? Have you ever heard that? No. Oh my gosh. Well, so it's big from my, um, it was big from my childhood. And so I would hear that little ditty in my mind, I have two deceased brothers, right? Yeah. And so it's their way of coming in and talking to me. So any sort of connection that you have with a deceased loved one, a, a parent that you want to connect with, or a brother or whatever, um, you can think about those moments or those memories and ask for that to be a, a, a cue or a connection that allows you to feel safe when that comes in then there's a sign, oh, they're there for me, right? And then mm -hmm. you can allow the message to come in. So my brothers used to use that little nursery rhyme as a way to let me know they were coming into my dream state and had a message for me. Wow. That's really beautiful because sometimes James' mom will come in as a particular mm. insect or mm. animal. Yeah. And once you start to identify that, then they know how to communicate with you as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's so many signs. Yeah. So many signs. Sometimes you won't understand why you had a dream until much later. Um, one of my stories is there was somebody that I loved so much. She was in New York. Uh, she was very much an advisor to me. And I had a dream one day where uh, she was coughing up white light and oh. I was trying to save her. I felt like she was dying and I tried desperately and I couldn't do anything to save her. And she just kept coughing up white light until she died. And then I grabbed James hand and I was devastated and very much in a state of grief. And we walked off together and I actually contacted her the next day. And I said, I had this dream about you. And she told me, listen, dreams, everybody in the dreams are a version of you. Oh, and I said to her, I don't think you understand. I'm a prophetic dreamer mm. and it felt different to me. So mm. I just need you to know that. And six months later, her daughter called me and she said, you know, I, I don't want to name her. I don't have her permission. Sure. I haven't asked, but yeah. she said, um, my mom didn't feel like she could call you herself, but she wanted you to know that she has breast cancer and it's really, really advanced. And uh, she's fighting it and she is not using holistic methods anymore. This is calling on 
Western medicine. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're, we're fighting it. And, um, and then I, I was wow. devastated and I had not remembered the dream, the dream I at this point, I've had so many dreams since then, so many miraculous messages and truth telling messages, but I continued, um, to just desperately pray and pray and pray and do whatever I could send whatever information I could. And it was like this thing inside of me where I couldn't let her go and nobody could let her go. She was magnificent and incredible and felt like she needed to stay. And so, um, six months later into her fighting journey, um, her daughter was saying, we have her in the hospital. She doesn't want to be in the hospital. She's yelling at us every day. She's upset. And, uh, she's, she's just wants to be left alone. She wants to be at home. And the dream came flooding in and it reminded me mm. that she was, is going to pass. Yeah. And it was in that moment that very tenderly, very heart forward, I said, oh, about a year ago, I had this dream. And I want you to know to just like, let her go, let her go, let her go in the way that she wants. And um, she died a few days later. Wow. I do have another beautiful part to that dream though. So I, I, um, I was checking in with her daughter every day for weeks, right? And a couple that couple days later, I didn't feel like I was supposed to ask her how she's doing. I sent her a rainbow of hearts. Pink heart, red heart, orange, yellow, green, just like a yeah, all together. And she wrote me back. She said, I cannot tell you why your text just meant so much to me and actually brought me a wave of peace and even joy. My mom passed a few hours ago and I'll mm-hmm. tell you tomorrow. The next day, she, she, uh, she contacted me and she said, so this woman was married a year prior and um, she said, and her mom was everything to her. And she said, growing up, my mom gave me the most special gift for my wedding. She says, growing up, my favorite thing was this piece of art that her and my dad had hanging above their bed. And she gave it to me for my wedding present. And it was a picture of hearts in a series of rainbow. Aww. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ugh. just working through you. Yes, to, I feel so emotional. Yeah, that's I a lot. I loved this woman. Yeah. Yeah, mm. and so... Oh, I'm sorry. I know, but she comes through all the time. Yeah. Like she comes through like a fairy and mm. um I'll know when she comes in as a praying mantis and <laughs> she'll like hug a photo that was taken during this time where I met her in New York. She's Aww. just such a magnificent queen on the other side, just always sharing love. But I was so grateful that on some subconscious level, she shared that information with me, Yeah, you know, so that we could have that moment, that healing moment. Well, and that's just it. You got healing from that, right? Like yeah. to be able to connect with someone who passes healing. And, you know, there's a couple things about that. Some people are really afraid of that. Some people's religious beliefs don't allow it, right? Yeah. And I remember when I first started doing this work, I was a medium and so much judgment judgment to my kids like they lost friends because your mom's talking to the dead right and meanwhile you know the little boy that was saying this his mom was 
you know, a, um, so I'm not sure which, which I won't even name the religion, which one it was, but you know, my son at the time was four. And so she, she pulled the kids apart uh, because I was doing this work and, and my little four-year-old son didn't understand. It. And he said, I don't understand. They talk to Jesus Christ and he's dead. So, you know, taking it literal from a four-year-old position, they didn't understand, but it, it did cause me to stop that work. It caused me to like, nope, I'm not doing this. It's creating too much pain for my family. Mm. So I just said to God, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing that. And as soon as I did that, a whole nother channel of light opened up and inside of me and another, a new voice came in and a, another voice came in. Right. And this particular voice was all around healing work. And then, and so I really focused on, on more of this healing work. And then about six months after that, another voice comes in and says, who do you think you are? Did you not get healing by talking to your deceased relatives? Did you not support other people in doing that? And I started crying. They're like, you're just, you are basically just the mouthpiece, right? And your job is just to not judge what's coming through, but to trust what's coming through and to trust in the healing process. And since I've done that, I've incorporated both of those connections. And to your point, look look at the beautiful healing that you've gotten from allowing spirit to touch you in any way that it needs to. So I've really learned not to judge it, but to trust it. Yeah. And of course, there is discernment, right? We do have to discern. And that comes through your body. That comes through your knowing. So if you're wondering if you're being messed with or if this is the truth, listen to your body. So as information comes in, listen to the body. Does it feel truthful? Does it not feel truthful? And if it doesn't, let it go. And if it does, then, it, you know, then sit with it, invite it in and, and allow it in. Yeah. yeah, that that is really important. There is a lot of judgment around it. And that's why I actually really like telling these stories. And I used to really judge myself as well. But mm-hmm. when things start panning out over and over and over again. Like here's the date you're going to get married. And then the date changes to exactly what you thought it was going to be because out of a necessity, you know, those little things, you start to really build trust. Yeah. They're called synchronistic events. And so synchronistic are events or a series of events that are connected together to produce an outcome. And then, and you, when you follow those synchronicities, like you did, you get a download, you get a feeling, you get a sense, you get a date and then look outward and it's happening. And then those things connect and they keep connecting. That's how you know you're listening to spirit. That's how you know you're listening to something that's greater than yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's really powerful. Yeah. You know, and that's why going back to being pregnant, right? And yeah. and the connection that we have as women, the blessing that we have is that we're, as we're carrying that baby, and then even after we have that baby, they, they act like antennas. And so our intuition increases like a hundredfold. That's why uh-huh. I think as moms, we intuitively are given so much information about the unborn baby and about the baby as it arrives. And, you know, women need to trust that. They need to lean in. Even if their doctors don't, they need to listen to that, their own divine knowing, because ultimately it's always proves right. Peggy, you had a great tip for me that I've used with my kids over the years. Do you want to share that meditation for children in sleep? Yeah. Since we're on the subject of dreams and everything, uh, you know, so many times because kids are sensitive and they can feel something in the room, they're afraid or they wake up in the middle of the night. Um, my many years ago, my guides, I don't know if it was for you or who it was, but they gave me a meditation to just to 
as your child goes to bed, have them call in the four guardian angels, right? And so if you have an angel at each edge of your bed, and imagine as they're coming down from heaven, they're bringing a beautiful blue blanket. And as they bring this blue blanket down, have your child close their eyes and imagine these four angels coming from heaven, bringing that blue blanket down and laying them over the blanket and the blanket seeping through their body, seeping through the mattress, and then tucking them in and kissing them goodnight and then standing guard at their bed. Mm. And and then just, you know, amen or whatever you want to say, you know, um, if, there's, if there's a little kiss them goodnight, sleep tight, whatever it is, uh, just to brings them so much peace. And I know so many kids have used that, my own included, to just relax and to not not be afraid anymore. Yeah, that's really beautiful. It's um, as a mom over the different children, I've started to interact with them differently about their own knowing and their own feeling. And instead of saying, no, you're not feeling things or it's mm-hmm. fine, go to bed anyways. It's more like, okay, what are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Let's call on the angels and empowering them with whatever tools it is that they need to feel more comfortable. Yeah. I remember Josh came in once and he goes, mom, I had a dream and I knew I could fly, but I didn't, (laughs) I didn't do it. And I said, Josh, next time you have that dream, you want to fly? He goes, yes, I do. Two days later, he came in so excited. He goes, mom, I was in my dream and I knew I was dreaming and I was like, I can fly. And I did uh, it. It was the coolest thing. <laughs> that's, that is so awesome. That's so awesome. The other thing you can tell the kids if they're scared yeah. is, is to blow white light at whatever they're afraid of. And I remember walking in the bedroom and seeing Renzo and Risa. They were like two and six laying on the bed, <laughs> looking at the ceiling, blowing white light at something that scared them. But it's a way to empower them if you're not around. So yeah. I love that Joshie's dreaming. <laughs> Flying. It's great advice. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So fun. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your wisdom and letting people know more about you today. Mm. I'm so excited that everybody gets to to know a little bit more. Yeah. Well, it was fun. We, we have so many, you know, stories. stories. <laughs> we could talk for hours about this subject. Yeah. True. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. 